0: What is Café Mocha? Café Mocha is experts,
1: celebrities. What's up? This is Belle Biv DeVoe. You're Judy This is
0: Fantasia. This is Invo.
1: This is India Ari. So
2: much more. All from a woman's perspective.
1: What flavor are you,
2: baby? This is Café Mocha. It's the MLK Holiday. We're talking to Kenan Thompson from Saturday Night Live. Plus, everybody's been talking about this Cat Williams thing. We're going to weigh in. This is Cafe Mocha. Happy MLK
3: weekend. Can you believe it? We made it to another MLK weekend, Angelique.
2: We absolutely did. I know people are excited about the Monday off and they're out doing club events and whatnot. But let us not forget the spirit of this occasion, which is freedom, which is um I don't want to say integration, but all of us living in peace and harmony together.
3: Definitely. And, you know, since it is MLK weekend, I decided I wanted to do something fun for MLK. So I want to have a little MLK quiz I'm going to give you, Angelique. So,
2: Oh, boy. Oh,
3: it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Most people know these, okay? So here's
2: uh, oh, my first. Well, well, okay, I, I'm sitting here by Google because I don't want to be made a fool of <laughs>
3: No, it's all good. Okay. So, okay. which president made MLK Day a holiday?
2: George Bush. <laughs> and,
3: on November 2nd, 1983, President Ronald Reagan signed the King Holiday Bill into law, designating the third Monday in January a federal holiday in observance of the civil rights leader. And the For legislation? Real? Yes.
2: Ronald Reagan? I mean, I was just kidding about Bush. I just assumed it was going to be a uh, Democratic president.
3: (laughs) No, it was Ronald Reagan. Okay, here's something I know you can answer. What is the unofficial MLK song? Happy birthday. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Written by who?
2: Stevie Wonder. You know what's funny about that song? that, you know, normally when you go to a white person's birthday party, they sing the standard happy birthday. But when you at a black person's house, it starts with happy birthday. And then it's like three, two, one. And they got to do the whole, the whole song.
3: The whole song. You My know. little
2: white friends be looking at me all sideways like,
3: huh? <laughs> well, that song was, uh, of course, written by Stevie He was very instrumental in also helping to get the King Day law passed. And so, you know, of course, you know, in order to get people's attention, he came up with this fabulous song, which we will be playing today. And um, it's just a song that when you hear it, yeah, we, we sing it at our birthdays, but also it's one of the pivotal reasons why this law was passed and it was really pushed. So we always want to thank Stevie Wonder for that. Okay, here's your next question. I I got Um, my
2: Google out. I'm ready.
3: (laughs) Do all states celebrate MLK Day?
2: Well, it's a federal holiday, so they are supposed to. um, But I think it's an optional day off. Like you get to choose whether you want that off or Easter or something else.
3: Well, you are somewhat correct. At first, some states resisted observing the holiday you know, like states like Arizona, Alabama, but because, like you said, it was a federal holiday, um, they officially passed it, but some give it alternative names or they combine it with other holidays. So you can do that, but federally every state has to observe it because it is law. Isn't that hang interesting? on?
2: It is interesting. I want to know what the uh alternate names are. Do you have that? <laughs>
3: Well, in Alabama, um they have they celebrate MLK and Robert E. Lee Day. So they call it King Lee Day, which Robert
2: is... E. Lee?
3: Yes, yes, girl. <laughs> yes. And I believe Missouri does as well. They combined it. As long as they celebrate MLK, they're not um they're not avoiding the law, but um they are allowed to alternate or give it um, different names um, for the holiday.
2: That's crazy.
3: Yeah. You learn something every day, don't you? Okay. You do. Here's your next question. Who is the only non-president to have a national holiday on his name? That's easy. Oh, my goodness.
2: George Washington.
3: The only non-president is oh. Martin Luther
2: King. Angelique. Oh. <laughs> so Go back. Let me do it again.
3: Who is the only non-president to have a national holiday that is in his name.
2: President Obama. I mean, in the future, in the future. But since we're talking about MLK, then MLK Day.
3: It is ML. Martin Luther King is the only citizen to have a national holiday within his name. So um, he was the figure that strived for progress and racial equality and equity during the modern civil rights movement. And he's the only non-president to have a national holiday. What is the theme for MLK Day 2024? Google is your friend. We don't have that long, Angelique. (laughs) I'm a slow typer.
2: Dream the impossible dream. Arise and pursue the legacy.
3: Definitely. That is correct. The 2024 MLK celebration week theme is dream the impossible dream arise and pursue the legacy. It encourages individuals to chase their most ambitious dreams and work towards leaving a lasting impact. Isn't that good? I I love that every um, year there is a theme um, that, uh, is attached with the MLK day and it's to help people and it's all kinds of different events. How do you celebrate MLK day? Just, if you just a regular person.
2: Well, I think that you try to give back to the community in some way, ideally, but worst case scenario, just go to the local parade, you know, come okay. out, go out there and represent.
3: There are very meaningful activities to help celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, You can read books that are uh, about civil rights and about his life. You can watch videos together. I know all the streaming services, they have some wonderful uh, documentaries that are out now that not only about King, but about the civil rights era. That is a, a great way for the whole family to celebrate. You can volunteer together. Um, As Angelique said, there are plenty of uh, different services and things that need a volunteering on that day. You can share your dreams with the I Have a Dream activity. And lastly, like she said, you can participate in community events. And you can just Google because every state has something different. Everyone has different shows or different projects or different services. So please just Google um, what your federal uh, government is doing for your state. And you can find these different events to help participate. I mean, so are you doing anything special? Do you have to work?
2: Uh, I don't have to work, but I'm getting over COVID. So I'll probably be sleeping all day.
3: You know what? That You will be dreaming of I Have a Dream.
2: That's yes, I'll be dreaming of I Have a Dream.
3: Cafe Mocha, Lonnie Love, Angelique, and Yo-Yo on the line. I have had a standing appointment with this man every Saturday night. He is an award-winning actor, comedian, and producer, best known for his work on Saturday Night Live. And he returns to the iconic late-night series for his 21st season as the longest-running cast member. He's my brother in comedy. Welcome to Cafe Mocha, Keenan Thompson. Hey, Keenan, how are you?
1: I'm great, sis. How you doing?
3: You know what? The last time I saw you, we were at the Emmys. You were the host. Uh-huh. And I just want to say you yeah. were a phenomenal host. How was that experience cuz that was your first time hosting the Emmys?
1: Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, it was crazy, but it was it was fun. It was e- it was a lot easier than I thought. I mean, you know, Saturday Night Live is like the hardest craziest thing ever, but mm-hmm. you know, the Emmys, you know, We respected so much kind of, you know, being performers and being artists and, you know, wanting to believe in the community of artistry and all of that. So it's a big night for us, I guess. But, you know, that being said, there's a lot of friends and people I worked with, you know, staring back at me. So I wanted to do a good job. Forget about, you know, all the people that might be watching at home. So it was a lot of stress, but it was also a lot of fun. You know, shout out to Reggie Hudlin for producing. You know, he made it easy on me. So, yeah, it was great.
3: It was a wonderful, wonderful night now you also
1: you. yeah it really was.
3: you also can put on your resume author because you have a new book titled "When I was Your Age: mm-hmm. Life Lessons, Funny Stories, and Questionable Parenting Advice from a professional mm-hmm. clown uh this is a very revealing. Memoir. I really enjoyed it. Why did you want to tell your story Mm -hmm. now, Keenan?
1: I mean, it it seems like something that, you know, people that are in the, you know, kind of public persona kind of just do eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and people kind of approach me like, you ever thought about doing a book? You know, I didn't know if I had, you know, enough to talk about that people, you know, that actually read books would want to read about. But then I got to a point where I was like, yeah, I, could, I think I got enough to say at this point. So work with some good people, you know, and now it's out and it's in people's hands. And it's, it's crazy to see people bringing it to me to sign, you know what I mean? Like at work and stuff like that. Like people I've been working with for 20 years now, all of a sudden bringing me my face, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's crazy.
3: i just think kenan is so important for us especially as black creatives to tell our story um if we don't tell our history who's going to tell it so i i really want people to go out and read your book is right now it's on amazon it's the number one comedy bestseller and let's get into it a little bit thank
1: you
3: yeah it is oh yeah see i looked you up i do my job fantastic
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I try not to look myself up. You know what I mean? I'm humble pie.
3: (laughs) Well, you know, you've been in this business for 30 years, but let's go back. Because as you were coming up, your parents were together, but then they split. And you Mm -hmm. have a great relationship with both your mom and dad. They were both in your life. But because this is a radio show geared towards women, I want to talk about your mom Mm -hmm. becoming a single mother and also a stage mom. How did that affect you growing Mm -hmm. up?
1: I mean, I was just, you know, lucky enough to witness, you know, a strong black woman at her strongest, you know, like two kids in her hand, more so than like my dad, because my dad was going through it at the time. And, you know, it took him a while to kind of like get his footing to where he could, you know, pay attention to everything or whatever. And, you know, that's not necessarily a while, but two years can be a long time when you're the main parent, you know, shuffling two kids back and forth. Mm uh at that time, my brother was in high school and he was going to high school like in North Atlanta. And I was in high school and, you know, or middle school in South Atlanta. So you can just imagine like all that back and forth. And then I got these actor dreams and like, you know, acting classes and stuff like that to go to. And by the time I was doing a lot of modern kind of by myself, is the you know, transport system that I made to train. Um, But, you know, as a parent, you got to make sure, you know, even if you're not taking everybody everywhere, you got to know where everybody's at. That can be stressful, you know, Mm -hmm. but yeah. And then she would travel with me like she took me to L.A. and was with me. You know, luckily she's a nurse and she ended up getting a job at UCLA when I shot The Mighty Ducks, my first little movie or whatever. And I owe the world.
3: You know, the thing is, too, there are so many wonderful stories and I want people to to pick it up. We're talking to Kenan Thompson about his new book, When I Was Your Age. Um, also in the book, you talk about, you know, the experiences of going through being a child actor. Um, you had you were very successful. And in the book, you talk about this horrible accountant. You had to file for bankruptcy. What did you learn from that? Because to me, when I was reading it, I was like, even though you have bad times, you can get through it.
1: It was an ongoing process. And it was also, you know, a reaffirmation of the good in people because good people did come around me and, you know, did mentor me and get me through it as long as I, you know, showed up. You know what I mean? I couldn't just sit in the house and soak, you know, and, and people wanted to help me because they did know that I was a worker and didn't deserve this, that, and the other. Once they heard the story... You know, that took a while, though, you know, because it all just kind of happened at the same time when I left Nickelodeon and kind of discovered, you know, I was broke. So, you know, jobs here and there, but everything kind of, you know, believing in everything goes in a circle, like Barbershop 2 being kind of the upswing on that. And then right after that was the SNL audition. audition.
3: Mm-hmm. In your book, you also talk about during your Nickelodeon days how you tried to hang out at the comedy clubs in Hollywood but you decided not to <laughs> hang out or perform because, you know, they was kind of, you know, looking at you like, hey, you already here. you already established. Well, that's
1: why, I, that's why I stopped hanging out there, but I didn't even think about performing because it was like, it wasn't what I do. You know what I mean? Like, I always considered myself kind of like an actor with a sense of humor. And I was kind of just enjoying the show and like enjoying being around the culture in a strange environment. Cause I hadn't, you know, I was a long way from home, you know what I mean? But then I started like hearing little comments, you know, thinking that I was like spying or like, you know, trying to take material. I was like, I, I would never, you know what I mean? I'm just here mm-hmm. for the daiquiris.
3: And also in the book, you get very revealing about, and this is something that I really appreciated because I deal with this is body positivity, body affirmation. Mm-hmm. You're open about your weight and your health Talk about it, especially being a black man. How difficult was that to open up about?
1: Yeah, it's a sensitive topic, you know what I mean? Because it's a, you know, a lifelong personal thing. Like I've been hearing, you know, since I was like a kid, basically, because, you know, that's how, you know, natural environments kind of are. There's certain kids that are kind of bullish and, you know, especially in the 80s. And they, you know, they call out what they see, like not to be mean, but it's just like non-filter kind of stuff, <laughs> But when you're on the receiving end, you hear it, you know what I mean? Like, you hear the description of yourself, you know, and it's like, oh, well, I guess, you know, that's what they see It whatever. But it didn't you know, necessarily bother me because I was still, you know, athletic and this and that and the other. But as I got older and I got more kind of like not necessarily paying attention to things or okay with the result of eating whatever I wanted to without doing much exercise because I was still, you know, receiving kind of love from people or whatever it kind of you know it got it got to points where it was out of hand in my opinion and now that i have daughters you know i mean i don't want to be a reflection of you know bad behavior like that you know when your health takes a turn it's you know pretty dire so you don't want to help that along necessarily and just you know took a while to come to that realization but you know also i like to eat
3: i do too (laughs) so i totally understand you know but like you said you have two beautiful daughters that are, uh, you're a girl dad and you were married, but you're now a single dad. Um, what challenges do you have being a working single dad?
1: Well, I mean, I'm lucky I'm not so single. Like, I mean, as far as like the parenting is concerned, you know, like we're co-parenting like very strongly. Um, their mom is, you know, really all over it. So, um, all is well, you know what I mean? Kind of on that page. Mm-hmm. um but you know it is a different dynamic you know what I mean and you just got to like make sure they feel supported you know and they, they're they happy so I'm just hovering over them every day making sure that they are straight
3: <laughs> they are so cute can I tell you that oh you. they are just adorable little girls so Thank I'm you. glad to yeah, see they're sweethearts. they're very very sweet congratulations on 21 seasons of SNL uh, you give Thank great you. stories in your book about how you came up. And not only through Nickelodeon, but through S&L. And I thought that was just fascinating. Who was one of your favorite guest hosts?
1: I love Dave, man. You know, like I was always a big <laughs> fan. Like Eddie Murphy, of course, is the pinnacle. You know what I mean? As far as like, you know, what an unbelievable moment this kind of is. But like, you know, if, I, if there was anybody I was a fan of, you know, equally like Eddie, it would be Dave, you know? And like, it's just cool to be around, you know, a thinker like that.
3: Mm -hmm, Definitely. It's Cafe Mocha on the line. Kenan Thompson, we're talking about his new book, When I Was Your Age. It's a memoir. It's fascinating. He tells you the whole story of how he came up. You know, you were a child actor, but Kenan, every time I see you, you, it's, it's no drugs from what I see. It's no drunkenness, from what I see. It's just a positivity. How did you get through Hollywood thirty years of that? How, what was the key?
1: I mean, I'm I'm my mom is on me. You know what I mean? Like she, <laughs> my mama don't take no mess, and you know I'm forty five, and she going with me to the Colbert Show tonight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like, hey, I can I can give you know the credit of her voice being in the back of my mind, but I was also very busy. You know what I mean? And like. I wanted to be busy. I didn't want to just be like sitting around searching for a good feeling, you know, like Uh I got my good feelings from like making people happy or just, you know, being around people, which is a good thing, you know, growing up in the church will give you, you know, like they talk about, you know, the fellowship together kind of thing, being a thing that's good, you know, it it just sends you in the right vibration basically for the rest of the week. That's why, you know, people do it on a weekly basis. Some people Mm -hmm. do it, you know, five days, six days, seven days a week because they really make it their life, but at the same time, even if you do it a little bit, you definitely feel the energy of being around others that are on positivity.
3: Definitely, because I remember the last, actually, the last time I saw you, we were taping Byron Allen super fast. You <laughs> uh-huh.
0: <laughs> that,
3: that that marathon, and the only person that was still yeah. smiling after that twelve-hour shoot was Keenan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, you going to let this torture you or are you going to, like, have a good time? And also, like, enjoy the company. You know, like, we around, you know, loved ones who are very, very talented people. So, I always look at that as, like, how lucky am I to be so close to this? You know, when I was, as a kid, so far away, I never dreamed of, like, any of this, you know, sitting in my grandma's house in Lynchburg, Virginia. Mm. Never.
3: Well, you know. As
1: far as it, like, actually happening.
3: Definitely, but you worked on it and you persevered, and that's why I want everyone to go out and get his memoir. When I was your age, because it details a lot of fascinating stories. This is your twenty-first year on SNL. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, come on, the longest crazy, running right? cast member. Yeah. I, I, you know what? But I don't. I I don't see the show now without you. Like I seriously, Isn't that crazy. Don't
1: yeah yeah so imagine okay. me you know because i was I'm the same person, you know what I mean, because I watched the show before I got there, and it was like I never imagined my stamp on it, you know what I mean, or anything like that,, mm. but now I've been there like almost half the time,
3: wow, I mean, I can tell like when they pan the camera to you, it's like the Keenan reaction. <laughs> <laughs> you just make it back if, if it's going downhill they just like <laughs> pan it to Keenan and you give that wonderful baby face look and it's like okay it's, it, that's just funny I mean did you develop that or is it just something that that they said hey let's do how did that happen
1: yeah I mean I guess it's just a, an obvious sense of humor thing like kind of everybody what everybody's thinking kind of face you know what mm. I mean and a lot of like probably mirror time when I was little but also just like watching the heroes you know what i mean there's a lot of like reactionary stuff and and different things like you know coming to america or denzel does this one crazy one in malcolm x you know what i mean when he's like serving on the train Mm -hmm. and he has this like you know fantasy moment of mushing a pie in a dude's face and then he snaps out of it but he gives a look back before he walks off and i remember my buddy pointing that out and i was like oh it's like little subtleties like that that you really catch that. That there's humor in in little things like that. So a look that I'm frozen on that everybody's already thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it always scores.
3: What is your New Year's hope or wish?
1: Ooh man, I think we need balance. You know what I mean? It's a lot of imbalance right now. So I, I just I wish for balance. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I don't want to get overly specific as far as like you know which you know, battle or war is going on that, I, you know, want to settle down or anything. I think we all kind of know if you watch the news, but man, you know, between balance and the humanity kind of side of things.
3: Definitely. The book is titled, When I Was Your Age, Life Lessons, Funny Stories, and Questionable Parenting Advice from a professional clown. We've had so much fun with you, Keenan Thompson. Thank you for stepping in to Cafe Mocha. I appreciate you, brother. Have a happy new year. Man,
1: I appreciate you, too. Thank you so much. Happy new year to you. Happy new year to all your listeners. I'm sure I'll see you soon.
2: If you miss any part of this conversation and to catch the full version, all you have to do is go to wherever you get your podcast and type in Cafe Mocha Radio. On the way, comedians Lonnie Love and Takara Williams weigh in on Cat Williams. We're at Cafe Mocha Radio. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. It's Cafe Mocha. It's Cafe Mocha, Lonnie Love, Yo-Yo, I'm Angelique. On the line is comedian Takara Williams. Welcome to Cafe Mocha. I know it's your first time. Hello. (laughs) She is
3: crazy. Now, for those... That don't know you, Takara Williams. She was a former school teacher, a plus-size model, motivational speaker. She's a writer that's known throughout the comedy industry as the beautiful beast. And from the moment she picks Mm -hmm. up a microphone until the time she walks off stage, audiences can feel the laughter erupt. Takara, let's go back. A school teacher that trans—look, you can tell she a teacher. (laughs) She's trans. (laughs) Gonna
0: tell you how to spell it in a minute. Transitioning <laughs> into comedy. Transitioning. How did that happen?
3: How did that happen?
0: Um, you know what? I was teaching preschool, and I got into comedy from a bad breakup. Um, you know how, when women we go through bad breakups, we decide I gotta find myself and get back to me. So, um, I told myself I wanted to get into acting. So I go to this audition in New Jersey because I'm from New York. I didn't get the part, and it was supposed to be a really serious part, and I made it comedic. And the <laughs> producer said, you need to be doing standup. And I said, no. And they said, yes, if we can get you on show, would you go, would you do the show? And I said, what would I talk about? And he said, well, you know, just talk about what you just normally talk about. You're naturally funny. And that night they got me on the show in Harlem with Omar Thompson was hosting. And I was supposed to do three minutes. He left me on stage for about eight minutes. And um I literally just talked about the difference between how men break up and how women break up. Wow. And I did a yeah, I did a great job. And when I got off stage, um uh, Omar went up and he said, How long have you been doing stand up? And I said, Well today's my first day. And he said, What? And I said, Yeah. And all the women and even some of the men after the show were just like, Oh my goodness, you were so funny. Um, I was going through a breakup too, and I didn't realize, I never noticed that there was healing in comedy, Mm -hmm. and um, once I realized that there was healing in comedy, I was sold, that was it. Definitely. I've been I mean, it ever since. Yeah. That,
3: that's the beauty of stand up, especially. Um, you know, we need as many different voices, especially female voices. Mm-hmm. Was it hard for you, being a female? Did you see a difference, um, in in doing and you know actually navigating the industry?
0: I did notice the difference between the men and the women. Um, I think one of the main things I noticed was that um, if there weren't as many women. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed that, uh, you know, one of the main things I noticed was, you know, it was almost like they always had to prep the crowd that a female was coming to the stage. Yes. Uh, you know, are you ready for a female comics You ready to hear a female perspective? you are ready for a woman? Just bring me up. Please. Thank you. Thank please. you. Jesus. Um, <laughs> um, I realized that I would get offered a lot more shows than most because, I was attractive because I'm attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just, you know, there was this expectation of, you know, you can't be pretty and funny. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this expectation of if women talked about sex on stage, you were popping out, that's too easy. There was just so many rules for women. You know, I know now in, in this day and age, there's a lot of rules and a lot of, you know, everybody just feels the way they're in their feelings about certain things. Everything's so sensitive. But for women in comedy, it was like this years ago. It's been like this. Don't talk about sex or nobody's going to take you serious. Don't talk about your kids or bad relationships or because nobody's going to. It's just so many rules. And I used to listen to the men do comedy and I'm like, but they talking about it. Well, that's different. The men can. But if you talk about it, then nobody's going to take you serious and stand up. And I was just like, oh, and I kind of built my stand up set based on you know, those concepts that were taught to me early on in comedy.
3: It's Cafe Mocha on the line, talking to comedian Takara Williams. I met you on the circuit, but we were together, I think it was the first time was with Snoop Dogg when he was doing the um the short for, uh, I think it was Peacock. You know, Snoop did sit up here after the second show and he nice and high. And, was
2: mm-hmm.
0: like,
3: and Takara was like, she's right there hanging on just 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 keeping Mm -hmm. us you know keeping us going you know how does it feel to be you know knowing that you you know that you're helping be a part of these wonderful shows
0: it actually feels really good it's extremely empowering I, i love being a part of the the comedy as it's moving forward right now
3: and just recently we have this big conversation that was brought on about cat williams now i do know that you're on the cat williams dark matter tour congratulations Can I say, I've been knowing everybody for 20 years. I've known everybody. I've opened for everybody. And the one Mm -hmm. thing I can say about Kat is that I actually started with him. We were down here in Hollywood at the... um, It was called the Hollywood Casino. And every Thursday, Cat would get on stage. He had his own show. He could do um, an hour. And then he put us up for like 10 minutes. And then he'd do another hour. Mm -hmm. And he just kept people going. And it built up his career. Right now, we're dealing with this whole conversation of comedy. And, you know, what's going on with it? What is... As, you know, as a woman... In this game, how do you feel about what's being what's being said and what's going on?
0: Um, I think the world is too sensitive. I think that I understand the sensitivity in some areas. But for comics, just let us do our job. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the cancel culture is ridiculous, especially when it comes to stand up comedians going on because comedy is so subjective especially for stand-up comedians going on stage and saying something and because you don't agree with what they said or you're offended by something that they said now we now that that comedian has the possibility of being canceled um I think that you know if if I had to talk to any comedian today about you know because I always get people asking me you know I want to get into comedy what advice would you give me just be funny like that was the number one thing that was told to me was if you are undeniably funny, there is nothing that anybody can say. There is nothing that anybody can do. There is no situation that you can't get yourself out of. As long as you are undeniably funny, be a, be kind, but still stand up for yourself. Sometimes you just find yourself in positions and you just like, I remember I was in front of the laugh factory. Uh, I had hosted Chocolate Sundays, and I was doing like this little hosting gig outside on the camera. And this comedian came up to me and literally Lonnie humped my leg. Oh, I could go in front of, in front of all the comedians and as, as, as uncomfortable as I was, I said, Hey, can you stop? And he just kept saying, well, you know, you look so fine. You know, you look so good. And he just kept pulling, like pulling his groin co- closer to my thigh. And I put my elbow on his chest cause I'm just, I'm shocked. And I'm like, can you stop? And the cameraman says, Hey, she asked you to stop. Can you F and stop? Like how many times does she have to ask you to stop? and the guy goes oh I'm just joking with her and the camera guy says you know I'm recording all of this mm. and it's just like to sit there and not be not be protected by people who you consider your counterparts your co-workers in the game. it was just crazy so if, when it comes to female comedians I always tell them you know be mindful of who you work with you know if you're hesitant about somebody just say no and do your research um, because you know this Stand-up comedy for women, it could be really scary.
2: Here's your dose of espresso. Strong hot news now. This is Angelique with the espresso. In case you've been sleeping, Cat Williams broke the internet on Shannon Sharp's show for saying this. Him and Tyler Perry can't play a man to save their life. They play good women. And I believe that the best actor should be in the best role. And then he talked about Ricky Smiley. What he told everybody was, Williams and don't nobody know who he is I'm on the radio I'm with Steven said everybody know me that's what he told everybody that would listen to on the set
3: he was so egregious I put in my contract that I won't work with Ricky Smiley again unless he's in a dress And then he talked about Cedric. Cedric told you when you asked him, did you steal Cat Williams' joke? He said, it don't line up. How it don't line up that I did it on TV in 2018. You came to see me at the Comedy Store do it in
2: 2019 and then did it on the Kings of Comedy. You need to watch the whole thing. That's the espresso. On the line, Takara Williams is currently on tour with Cat Williams. We're talking about his latest interview. She's right
3: now on the Dark Matter comedy tour with Cat Williams and a host of other people.
0: You know, I haven't... Cat I, is the first person I've toured with. I've done really? dates. You know how, Lonnie, you just do... Yeah, you know how you just do dates with a comedian? Like, I've done a couple dates with D-Ray. I've done a couple dates with Bill Bellamy. But Cat is the first comedian that I've actually went on a tour with. Wow. Wow. And that's because I've always been um nervous as a woman to go on like like what's the other guy's name I can't remember his name he's really sweet I've done dates but I've always been nervous as a female comic to actually go on the road because I would hear so many stories of women who just didn't have good road time like road stories mm-hmm. and I would just be nervous about just going on the road and when I got offered the opportunity to go on the road with Kat I expressed to my agent I was like you know it was like a family barbecue like well who all gonna be there <laughs> you know like and hey, who cooking you know and she just told me the lineup she said it's going to be mark curry it's going to be tommy davidson miss pretty ricky's on the lineup red grant's hosting zoo man opens little mo performs and i said oh it's like a whole thing and she said yeah it's not just like you and cat you know and i was like okay i think i feel more comfortable with that and now that i've been on the road with with him for about six months i absolutely love it it is a family i mean from the security to to cat to to uh, red grant it's just like a huge family on tour together and i'm glad this was my first experience with touring with actually really touring because i was scared girl
3: (laughs) no (laughs) you know i always tell you know females when they get into the game it's like hey don't don't do nothing crazy because i've known and Mm -hmm. I've known females to sleep with, you know, promoters and just to get on stage. I said, mm-hmm. no. First thing, I ain't doing that. I ain't gonna sleep and work. It's gotta be one or the
0: other. Why? Right. <laughs> um, Lonnie, I got uh, the first uh, when I first moved to California, I got offered to go on the road and the comedian said to me, I want to take you on the road with me. This is in front of the end And I said, oh, I'm so excited. Of course. And he said, but you know what happens on the road? Stays on the road. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'll get back to you, and I never got back to him. Mm. And, and I said, absolutely not. And I, good people for you. crazy, girl.
3: That's the way you have to do you know. It's Cafe Mocha. We're talking to a comedian, Takara Williams. She's right now on the Dark Matter Comedy Tour with Cat Williams and a host of other people. Takara, were you surprised with uh, how that uh, podcast with Shannon Sharp and Cat Williams blew up?
0: Um, you know what? I, I thought, I'm surprised at how it blew up. Um, part of me is surprised, but part of me isn't because, you know, Kat hasn't done podcasts or media tours or anything, no promotion or anything from for years he hasn't been, you know, on social media. I think he just got on Instagram like a couple of months ago. If not, he just got on Instagram. So um, the, the, the fact that he did a, uh, a podcast and people haven't heard from him publicly in years, Mm -hmm. I think it was a really good play by Shannon Sharp um, (laughs) to to get him on Uh, because nobody's, you know, people may not say it, but Kat's been touring for years. So outside Mm -hmm. of him touring, he doesn't do much promotion for it. You don't hear from him. You don't see him, you don't hear from him. So I think pulling somebody in who publicly hasn't said a word to anybody in years was very strategic and very smart. Um, I think that the fact that we have the Dark Matter tour happening right now, and I mean, it sells out. I mean, I'm talking thousands and thousands of people. It is the biggest crowd I've ever performed of in my performed in front of in my life. I just think it was very strategic. Um, I didn't know it was going to break the internet. That that <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know my mama was going to call me about it. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't <laughs> even know my mama knew. <laughs> I didn't even know she knew how to work nothing. You know, like but she. <laughs> She figured it out on the YouTube, as she would say. Thank and um do. I but yeah. I didn't know it was gonna be this big. I didn't know it was gonna I didn't know like he was gonna wake up and choose violence. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I didn't know that, that was what was gonna happen. It was like the first seven minutes. I'm like, oh what Molly, <laughs> oh, <what>? oh, <laughs> like, when I tell you when I tell you I was on a plane and I you know, I get Wi Fi on the plane and everybody's DMing me like this it blah 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 with cat. So I go and I go to YouTube and I'm on the plane. Wait, baby, when I tell you I'm in first class, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait. That's me yelling because I had on my headphones and I forgot I had on my headphones. Uh uh-uh, uh, stop. Oh, this is good. Everybody is looking at me like, what's she, what's she watching? And I said, this man crazy. I think I said, this man crazy about 50 times. Oh, he crazy. Oh, they going to be mad. Oh, Lord. What? And the flight attendant said, you having a good time? I said, am I loud? He said, "Yeah." I said, oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. But, but I'm watching something. So when you land, you need to watch this too. Um, and there was just so much controversy. It's still so much controversy about it. And the crazy thing was that before the new year came in, I had caused some controversy on social media because I put up my top 10 most attractive comedians.
2: I saw that. I
0: saw that. Babe, line me. When I tell you the men was mad, I never seen men be so sassy. The sassiness came out of some of these male comics so fast. They were so angry that they didn't make the list. And I just said, It's a a list. It's subjective. It's my list. It's the men that I think are attractive. If you didn't make it, it doesn't mean you're not attractive. It just means you're not attractive to me. And they were so mad. I was getting DMs and voice notes and messages and text messages of men who were just like, so I didn't make your top 10. And I said, well, you know, you don't see yourself up there,
2: do you? If you miss any part of the show, all you have to do is go listen to the podcast. Go to Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen, type in Cafe Mocha Radio. Until next week, you know where to find us, at Cafe Mocha Radio on all platforms. Cafe Mocha is a production of Miles Ahead Broadcasting in partnership with Super Radio. Executive producer Sheila Eldridge. For comments, booking, or more information, visit cafemocharadio.com.